Welcome back to The Hot Dish. I'm Heidi Heikamp. Today, I want to talk about a really important issue, one where the U.S. is very much lagging against other countries, and that's providing paid family leave. Right now, there's no national law that guarantees paid family or medical leave. I mean, yes, you can all recall that we passed the Family Medical Leave Act, but that did not mandate any payment. So how many people can afford to give up a paycheck for any length of time? So it it means, in essence, we don't have a family or medical leave plan in this country. And there's been a lot of work done. Uh, Some states do provide it, but it's not a federal law. And one country project brought together more than 500 Wisconsin residents. Now, Wisconsin, not known as a hotbed of uh, liberalism, to talk about their feelings on paid family leave, and the results are pretty overwhelming. Doug Escher is a partner at Forbes Tate, and he's here to discuss those findings. So welcome, Doug. Just really excited to have you on to talk about this issue. I worked on it when I was in the Senate with Kirsten Gillibrand, and it is something that we believe will be a voting issue for a lot of American families. So can you tell me a little bit about what you learned in Wisconsin? Absolutely, Senator, and thank you for having me. We found widespread support for a national paid family and medical leave program. We found 78% support creating a national paid family and medical leave program that would allow people to earn a portion of their pay while taking time away from work for medical issues and to help care for uh, close family members. We didn't just find it was 78% in small segments of the population in Wisconsin, we found this was a cross-party issue, meaning 90% of Democrats, not surprisingly, support this, but so do 69% of Republicans in Wisconsin and 77% of independents. As you suggested, it's something that goes on everywhere in the world and in Wisconsin and most likely across the country, it's a bit of a no-brainer. You know, these results do not surprise me, Doug, because when I was promoting this issue in North Dakota, One of the arguments that I raised was with North Dakota small businesses. I said, you can't compete against big companies for talent because they will provide this service, just like, you know, healthcare, any other kind of employee benefit. And you want to be able to recruit the best and the smartest. People want to work for you. But if they're given a choice of working for an employer that provides three-month paid leave for paternity or for you when you aren't providing any of that, where are they going to go? And the other thing is for America, when we think about kind of repopulating the, the population trends that we have here, We have to make having kids more affordable. And, you know, we have to be family friendly if we are going to grow bigger families. How much of this did you hear when you were in Wisconsin talking to folks? We've heard that in focus groups. We've heard concerns about it, not just in Wisconsin, but around the country. And I think what's going on is people have caregiving responsibilities. It's men, it's women, it's children, it's parents. And they bring it up across work we do, not just on paid family leave. And I think to your point, it's about being competitive at business, but it's also creating an environment where people feel comfortable making long-term commitments to an office, to an employer. And they don't feel they can if they feel like when they have a caregiving responsibility, which isn't possible, it's 100% likely over the course of a 10, 15, 20-year career with any company, you're going to have to do that at some point. And it's really both good for workers, but also good for employers. How do you think that paid family leave 
affects rural areas different from other parts or suburban parts of the country? I think the demands on rural voters are tremendous from a caregiving perspective, especially children caring for their parents because they may be in facilities dozens, if not hundreds of miles away. And so those burdens become even more acute than they might for someone in an urban area. So I think we undoubtedly see it in the real life of different people from different parts of the state and different parts of the country. And if I may add, I think what's really interesting is the politics around this are all wrong. And what I mean by that is it falls into one of those typical left versus right, Republicans versus Democrats. It's Republicans say it's going to be lazy people taking advantage of it. And Democrats say big companies don't care about their workers. And and it gets couched as like a, a free lunch. But it's not that. What we found in our poll was that people are most likely to describe this as a pro-family, pro-work policy. It's not a pro-worker versus company. It is about supporting families and supporting not workers, but work and getting people to work, which is something everyone values across the country. Well, and that's one of the things that I heard when I explained that here's somebody, instead of quitting their job to go take care of their mother or their grandmother, they take a little leave and then they come back. And one thing we've learned from the pandemic is how difficult it is to get people back into the workplace when they've experienced a little more freedom. And this idea of keeping people kind of in the workplace with a little pause is so critical to continuing that productivity. And, you know, I always tell people the numbers I look at is labor participation in this country reflects growth. You will not have growth unless you have a higher rate of labor participation. And watching those numbers dip way down during the pandemic and they have not returned to pre-pandemic levels, and we would like to see them even higher. And so this is another one of those when when people say, well, I want a pro-growth economic policy, that's going to be part of my structure or my ideas to reduce the deficit and pay down the debt. Guess what? You aren't going to have that happen unless you get people back to work. Absolutely. And I think in a lot of ways, if you look at it from a different perspective, COVID lockdowns and shutdowns and things like that were actually a grand experiment in paid family leave. What you had were parents really working hard to have their students in school and kids do schooling while they still fulfilled their job duties. Now, I'm not suggesting that the policy is you have to do 100% of your work if you're dealing with you know, caring for a loved one who's in a serious medical incident or something like that. But what I am suggesting is there's actually really a middle ground and people do want to be able to take care of their loved ones and do work. Because anyone who's been a caregiver and done that type of work with a child or a parent You want to help them out, but you also don't want to be doing that 100% of your time too. And the notion of some flexibility here. So there is pay, there is, you do get paid. You aren't go from 100% to 0%, but you work somewhere in the middle. It's people working together. But by guaranteeing that folks have this as a base, as part of their job, helps everybody. One of the things that I think gets overlooked is the importance of the healthcare industry to the rural economy. So in many of those rural cities or rural towns, they have a long-term care unit. So let me play this out for you. So uh, mom is in the long-term care unit and the daughter can't take paid leave or the son can't take paid leave. So they move their parent to the city. 
where they are, decimating those small towns and, and really disrupting the social structure for their parents. If, in fact, they could move, and we knew we had broadband there, that people could still participate in the workforce, but could come home and help their parents during that critical time, think of how we could, in fact, continue a vibrant economic opportunity in rural America by keeping a more elderly in rural America. But it, that requires health care, that requires paid family leave, and it requires that we really begin that process of making sure that we have broadband and opportunities to work in those communities. And so this is all woven in in providing meaningful employment opportunities in rural America. I think that's right. And I think if you think through it, not from a just a battle between workers and employers, or it's another employee mandate, that kind of thing. But instead, look at it over the life cycle of any career, of any worker of any type. You know, the days of dad going to work and mom taking care of everything in the house are over. They're over everywhere in rural America, in urban America, and those kinds of things. And if instead of looking at it as just an either or, but instead a little bit more fluid and flexible. I think to your point, Senator, you could have the ability to keep people either at home or at a facility closer to their social network. If they can know that their kids can come for a few days and deal with a disaster or transition or something like that, they're not giving up their job. And the guilt that families feel. And as we mainly women talk about the sandwich generation, and now I can't tell you the number of seniors who say, people who are in their late 50s, early 60s, who say, I can't go back to work because my daughter needs me to do daycare. And that's a whole nother issue that we've been talking about here on The Hot Dish, how important that daycare is because it really affects productivity and that affects the entire economy. This isn't about a giveaway to folks. This is about making sure people keep uh, employment skills up and that they have an opportunity to continue to work. So anyway, Doug, any other great observations for good of the order here? Yeah, I think just one other thing we found in our polls, this is good politics. You had a majority saying they'd be more likely to support a candidate who supports a national pay to leave policy. And again, 61% said they'd be more likely, but more important, just 12% said they'd be less likely, including 49% of Republicans with just 19% of Republicans saying they'd be less likely to vote for a candidate who supports this. So, you know, this is the kind of thing that you can find common ground. And while it's positioned as a left of center type of issue, I think in the current political discussion, there's plenty of room to move it back to the center and get good support across the aisle in Wisconsin and presumably nationally. Time has come. Time has come for paid family leave. Anyway, Doug, thanks for joining us. And thanks for the tremendous work that you're doing, educating the public, educating policymakers on how they can win hearts and minds of suburban women in particular. Thank you for having me. Folks, it's not just Wisconsinites who are in favor of paid family leave. It's a popular issue all across the nation, and it doesn't seem to matter what party. It crosses party lines. Adrian Schreer is our guest. Uh, she's a fellow at uh, the Bipartisan Policy Center. Adrian, thanks for joining me on The Hot Dish. I'm so glad to be here, Joel. Thanks for having me. 
Okay, I'm looking at the numbers, the numbers that were put together in the poll. And being an old local politician myself, if I saw numbers like this, I would be jumping all over this issue. The numbers in Wisconsin, even in some of the very rural conservative areas, paid family leave is is through the roof. I mean, people want it. You're exactly right. People across this country are really struggling to balance work and family. Sometimes that family they're struggling to balance is a new baby that they've just given birth to or adopted or fostered into their home. Sometimes it is caring for a mom, aging, or a husband or, or partner who's going through chemo or a child who has a critical issue. Sometimes it's caring for yourself. And the self-care has really changed over time, right? You used to take medical leave when you got hit by a car or you have a work incident or had a heart attack. But today it's mental health issues, it's behavioral health issues, it's addiction, and you need time off work to tackle those things, long periods of time, so you can get right back to work and be your healthiest self. Paid family leave is a really beautiful solution across all three of those different types of challenges. What I hear over and over and over again is help wanted. We'll hire you to do this. So we can train you to be a welder. We can train you to be a truck driver. What it comes down to is the question of why. Why don't you have the workers that you need? And it would seem to me that this would be part of a solution to that problem. You see what I see, which is that workers today are struggling to balance these two things. And people who want to be in the workforce and are struggling to also care for their family are having to make choices even when they don't want to. So here at the Bipartisan Policy Center, we recently did this big study on Americans who are completely out of the workforce. Maybe they're unemployed and choosing not to look for work, or maybe they're unemployed and looking for work. We studied both sections, and we found that 72%, like three out of four of prime age adults, like those who not are retirement age, but are prime age for working, if they're not in the labor force, they say that personal health or family caregiving are the main reasons they are in work. Three out of four say caregiving or their own personal health issues. That's what's keeping those help wanted signs out there because the workers who want to get back have these barriers to work and they need solutions that can help them overcome those barriers. We found that 42% of prime working age people who aren't working said that they would be more likely to return to work after a family caregiving issue if their employer had offered paid family caregiving leave. Almost half of them said that they would have stayed in their job or gone right back to work if that employer was offering paid family leave. So that is a huge thing. So let's say I'm sitting down at the Manor VFW Club and I'm talking to the guys about, hey, you know, you guys all need employees. I mean, start thinking about things in terms of how they're thinking. The first thing they're going to throw is they're going to throw at me, well, we never had that. I mean, we never got that. I mean, what's your answer to them? It's a hard thing to overcome. The people you're talking with at VFW, they had hardships too. What we see from workers today is that those who are looking for work say that when they look at compensation, that hourly wage, whether they have paid family and medical leave is equally as important as the level of compensation. So if that small business owner at the VFW is trying to get someone to fill that job they have, they should be considering what benefits they're offering those workers that might get them to come back in ways that don't feel as traditional as what you were marketing you know, 15 years ago. So I would say that it, it's a, it is a hard journey to come to, but most of the, your friends of the VFW have kids and they have grandkids and they're seeing their own kids, their daughters, 
who are working hard jobs, some of them serving meals who are going back to work way too quickly after giving birth to a baby because they can't afford food on the table. They can't pay their rent. They don't get back to work. So Adrian, what's the standard for pay? Is there 80%? Is it a hundred percent? I mean, what is the standard that we're seeing out there when it comes to paid family leave? There isn't a great standard, Joel. So there are a handful of states across the country, California, New Jersey, Connecticut, newly Minnesota, that have passed paid leave laws. They tend to offer higher percentages of your paycheck to lower wage workers, right? So they're closer to 90, 100% of pay. For higher wage workers, there's a cliff and they're probably getting 40, 50% of pay. So it really depends on how much you're making a month for those government-run state programs. There's a private insurance product called uh, short-term disability that does cover new mothers and does cover self-care. And that's usually 60%, 66% of your paycheck is covered. So there are a lot of different like ways that's approached. But what research has shown is that for lower wage workers, for those who have smaller household incomes, 90 to 100% of your paycheck is essential or they can't take it. If you're giving them 66% of their wages for a week or two, they're back at work before they'll take that cut because they can't make their bills. You need a sliding scale. You need it to benefit those with the tighter budgets the most. And, you know, those white collar six-figure workers, they're often getting it from their employer. They're headquarters employees. They're lucky. It's the lower wage workers that need them. I've seen with some of these companies in some of the rural areas, they'll say, yeah, you know, you just had a baby take six uh, weeks off. You can take as much as 12 weeks off, but we'll only pay you for six of those. And, and I mean, that happens all the time. And then it's a choice that they make. And then it's a double-edged sword, Adrian, because now they're sitting there saying, if I go back to work, I'm looking at basically the same amount that I was making for what I would pay that month in childcare. And so, you know, I'm one of seven kids and I had two. Heidi was one of that seven and everybody's going, where did the workforce go? Well, it got too expensive and too tough to have kids, period. So true. It really is so true. I think, Joel, that the hard thing about what you just said is that, so I have five kids. I'm the opposite of you. Had more than my share share. And it's hard as hell. Childcare is so expensive. But the reason I stay working is for my long-term income. I might spend more on childcare than I make this year, but that's only a few years of my life. And every year I'm, you know, sometimes earning more, I'm saving more, I'm getting paying into my 401k. I, I have access to good health care. Those non-compensation benefits, especially long-term financial security, really take a dent when you leave the workforce altogether. And for a family unit, especially for women and single women, that is a really, really hard thing because women in this country are retiring poor, much poorer than their male counterparts because they took time off to care and left the workforce. And I believe that being a stay-at-home parent is the hardest job on the planet. And I think families should be able to, that we should be paying people good enough wages that they can choose to have one stay home and still make some sacrifices. But that's not the case in the economy today. Most families are two household incomes and they're still barely making ends meet. And when they take one of them out for that short-term gain of like childcare being more expensive than her pay from, you know, teaching, they're taking her away from the pension she could have benefited from in the long run. And that's the hard thing is these little tidy policies could help people in their long-term security. 
and ways that we aren't quite thinking about. How does America compare to other countries around the world? Joel, this is the most embarrassing part. We are the only developed country in the entire world that does not have a paid parental leave law. The only one. Most African countries, Afghanistan, most developing countries have a mandatory paid leave for new moms and often for new dads. America has zero. We are so far behind the globe. And most importantly, we are hurting our own people and our own families by tearing them apart weeks into their connectivity. There are some awful charts. They show where we stack against Japan and Canada and the UK and all of these other countries. It's the US and Papua New Guinea that don't have a paid leave program. So I I don't know that like we're never going to have a 12-week paid parental leave like Japan or Germany. You know, those are pretty generous and they're not really They don't fit as well with our capitalistic society. All that said, we can do something better than zero and (laughs) get on that map as having something within this country. And if I can end, Joel, with one thing that I think is really important. For years now, we have had, you know, a, a progressive left that has always galvanized around paid leave. Today, we have moderates. We have moderate Democrats like Heidi who paved the way supporting bold paid leave policies And we have moderate Republicans who are paving the way, supporting bold paid policies. We have the potential to get something done for working families on paid leave if we can just collaborate and keep electing smart people that care about this issue and care about working families in general. And I think the will is there. The Wisconsin poll proves the will is there. We just have to hold them accountable and make sure that it's something that actually gets done. And I think to all the listeners, caregiving, caregiving for a new baby, caregiving for an aging loved one, it is a silent struggle that you do on your own, like the millions and generations before you. We have to start talking about it. You have to start telling more people about how hard it is to balance work and family and asking for policies like paid leave from your employer, from your friends, from your elected officials. And that's how we'll get something done. Well, I'll tell you this, Adrian, I've enjoyed talking to you, but what you just described requires legislative action, and I'm not sure we even know how to do that in this country anymore, but (laughs) it's been great to talk to you. Thanks for having me. Folks, and if you think you have a bad boss, take a listen to Christine Levi when she was a first-time mother living paycheck to paycheck before. Colorado required employers to provide paid family leave. Just take a listen to this. My name is Christine Levi, and I am currently a director for a legal tech company in the operations division called Filevine, and it is absolutely fantastic. So I will start this disclaimer. I did not work for Filevine during this boss story. Filevine came well after. I have two children. I have a six, almost seven-year-old, and a four-year-old, both girls. When I got pregnant with my oldest daughter, her name is Aaliyah, I was working for a small Denver law firm. I was, unfortunately, in a situation where I was living paycheck to paycheck and, you know, wanted to start a family with my husband, and we did that. I didn't have any paid parental leave. I didn't have PTO that I could use or anything like that, and we couldn't really not have income. We had no HR department, so I didn't really have anybody to talk to about options. The boss that I had at the time 
made an arrangement with me in that he indicated that I could work from home after having my daughter. This was supposed to be a six week arrangement. So I had my daughter and went home from the hospital the day after and immediately started working. And it was to a point where my boss would call me starting at 8 a.m. on the hour every day, asked me, are you working? What are you doing? What have you been doing? And it was just much more overbearing than it would have been had I been in the office because he was calling me constantly every hour. There would be times that he'd call after five o'clock as well. My daughter was born on November 14th, so around Christmas time. My boss told me, if you don't come in the day after Christmas and start working in the office from now on, I'm going to just replace you. My breaking point was the bonus. I had been eligible for bonuses up until that point, and he did not give me a yearly bonus at the end of that year because he said, well, I allowed you to work from home, so no bonus. I found a job about two months after that, a different job, and went off to work at another law firm. It was indescribable. It was the hardest thing I think I had ever experienced. I missed out on so many moments with the baby, with learning who she is or who she was at the time, figuring out motherhood for the first time. It was my first baby and I didn't know what the heck I was doing, you know, and you learn by trial and error. My experience with my second daughter was completely different. The company I was working for at the time, they gave me full 12 weeks, fully paid. And actually, if I would check in an email or in Slack, they would message me back and say, get out of here. You're not allowed to work. You know, go enjoy that baby. And I really figured out who she was and what made her tick and what made us bond. And I just didn't have that with my oldest daughter. For me as a mom and for the baby, having that time is crucial, especially in the beginning of their life. You have to be able to bond with your kids, especially when postpartum depression is a real thing. I experienced that with my second, and had I not had the time that I had with her, I can't even imagine what it would be like. I think it's just important to create that culture of positivity, of appreciation, of loyalty, and to also allow parents to have the time that they need to learn what they need to learn about themselves, about their kids, to take care of them, to start raising their children. If I need to care for somebody who's sick, then I need to be able to have the freedom to do so. I mean, in fact, today, my four-year-old is home with me with a fever and I just slacked my boss and I said, hi, Ariana is home with me and she has a fever. And my boss just said, okay, let me know what you need from me and I hope she feels better. And if you need to cancel meetings, then cancel meetings. So currently my current situation and having the freedom to do that, it's life changing. It really is. Thanks so much for joining us today on The Hot Dish. If you enjoyed our show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And to support the important work that One Country Project is doing to elevate the needs of rural America in Washington, please visit onecountryproject.com forward slash give. Thanks so much. We'll see you in two weeks.
Topica.